This is the Average Guy Network, and you have found Home Gadget Geeks show number 537, recorded on July 7th, 2022. Here on Home Gadget Geeks, we cover all the favorite tech gadgets that find their way into your home. News, reviews, product updates, and conversation all for the average tech guy. I'm your host, Jim Collison, broadcasting live from the AverageGuy.tv studios here in a beautiful Bellevue, Nebraska. And of course, we'll host the show with some show notes this week out at the AverageGuy.tv. Big thanks to Marv B., who joined us last week as our guest. If you haven't started listening to tomorrow's podcast yet, let me encourage you one more time to get that done. ITBusinessPodcast.com. Check that out, and uh, he's doing a bang-up job over there, Marv. Thanks for coming on. He'll definitely be back. Dave Selinger is our uh, is our guest tonight. He was an early employee at Amazon, led the R&D arm of Amazon's data mining and personalization team, co-founded Redfin, founded Rich Relevance, a company that offers personalized shopping experiences for large retail brands. He's now reinventing uh, his big thing, he's reinventing home security uh, through a company called Deep Sentinel, an AI-based home protection service. The company's intelligent crime prevention transforms home security from false alarms and ineffective, and I get these sometimes, Dave, and ineffective after-the-fact crime alerts to real-time protection and prevention. Dave, welcome to Home Gadget Geeks. Hey, thanks, Jim. Glad to be here. And if you'd like, I can make this the... Um the slogan harder to pronounce and more difficult. Uh, we will work on that this week. <laughs> a little bit more of a mouthful. I think that'll get us there. Yeah, no, all, all good. I listen, people check out when I read bios, I read them for new guests just because I think it's appropriate, but why don't we hear it from you? Give us a little bit, like, as you think about your role, you've done a lot of technology stuff and you fit the, the audience here kind of perfectly <laughs> in what we're doing, but give us a look. What's the, what are the favorite parts of your background? Um, gosh, let's see. So I, I, how about I'll just do a quick summary and I'll, I'll zoom in on some parts that I liked the, the most. That's okay. So I grew up in a little town in Oregon called uh, Merlin, which is a suburb of Grant Pass, which is a suburb of Medford, which is a suburb of nothing. Um, so oh, yeah, don't diss like, on our Southern Oregon friends. They, 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 they live in, that's a beautiful part of the country. All 50 of them that are listening over the course of all time. Will Crater know Lake exactly is there. It's, it's beautiful there. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's beautiful. I grew up next to a river called the Rogue River. Uh, my folks were, were both doctors, uh, immigrants to the U S uh, a town of 300 people, uh, that that was Merlin and then Grants Pass at 15,000 people. So Grew up there, got to go to Stanford for college, uh, studied um, computer science and robotics, loved that, dropped out, went, did the dot-com, came back, finished my degree, worked at Amazon for a number of years, started Redfin, as you mentioned. Um, and, and, you know, in terms of the, the favorite things, gosh, between Stanford and, uh, sorry, the dot-com agent Stanford, I went back to Grants Pass, and there's a company there that that just recently went public called Dutch Brothers. It's a coffee company. And it was run by a friend of mine. And I asked him if I could partner with them and, and build out some technology for them. And Dutch Brothers brand is about being fun. It's about being accessible. It's kind of the opposite of, of Starbucks, right? They kind of see Starbucks as this very corporate-y brand that, that has taken coffee and made it kind of cookie-cutter McDonald's style. 
And what they do is, you know, you walk, you drive up to a Dutch brother stand and it's like, Hey dude, what's up, man. Good to see you again. You want, you want your normal drink or what do you want? And that's, that's just been the experience. And, the, and people think that, uh, you know, that might be artificial or it's contrived. And I've known the CEO there, this guy named Travis Borgma for like 30 years. And that's exactly how he has been for the last 30 years. He's just been this cool, you know, laid back, chill dude. And, and that's, he built a company around that and it's turned into be an amazing one. And I, what I loved about working with him and working on that one was I learned that business is about being, for him, it's about being something, being precise and being something that matters to people, not about you know, wearing a suit and showing up every day and, and, you know, doing your tie, right. Certainly that's, that's one version of it, but, but what people value from a business is who are you and what do you provide to me? And if that's being an awesome experience and fun and laid back, that's just as valuable uh, to the right situation and the right, the right customer at the right time. So I I really enjoyed that. Um, He was an amazing mentor to me and, and still is to this day. You've had a variety of tech experiences as we just think about the companies, but they, they all kind of focus on the consumer experience as, yeah. as we think about that piece in there. What, what is it about, what is it that draws you to those kinds of roles around consumer experience and what have it's you enjoy, enjoyed the most about them? I have a very short attention span and I <laughs> want to see what I built. So I, I like to build stuff. I'm a gadget dude. Um, you know, again, for, for the people that are watching the video here, you'll see like right over my head here, this is a BB-8 that I built literally the day after the first Star Wars uh, trailer came out. And I was like, that BB-8 thing looks amazing. I'm going to build one. That's a fully functional, right? It has like a set of Arduinos and uh, Raspberry Pis and Wi-Fi and, and custom written controller software for it. And that's who I am. Like, I like to build stuff, see what it is that I built and, and, and feel like it was why I'm excited to be on a, you know, kind of a gadget show, right? Like that's, that's what that culture is all about. Mm -hmm. And so in everything that I've built, the, in every company I've been at, the jobs that I felt the most rewarding and exciting and where I was able to invent the most cool stuff was around stuff that when I finished it, you looked at it and you're like, gosh, that's cool. That's that's neat. I would use that. Um, my parents would understand that. That could change my life in the way that I do X or Y or Z. I stumbled through a little bit of explaining what Deep Sentinel does, but why don't we hear it from you? When oh, you sure. think about when you think about that this company that you're that you're building, what do you want it to be known as? Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the claim that I would say is that the thing that we do that no one else does is we stop crimes, hmm. and that's a that's a big claim and so that's why we don't put it as the as the slogan for other people to say that's like if you say here's here's david selinger the founder of deep sentinel the only company that stops crimes period you know mic drop that's a tough that's a tough thing but but the cool thing about the company is here's the here's the secret that that like you know nobody knows yet because we're still pretty small we do and we're the only company that does it and so what what we do and is that we take cameras and we put artificial intelligence in them. And that artificial intelligence is able to connect your cameras around your house or your business directly to, to live guards who then can protect your property. I'm going to bring up on screen, not everybody's uh, watching on screen, but I'm going to bring up some, just some <clears throat> pictures. We had Dave, you know, way back in the day, I had Jamie Simonoff from Ring before it was an Amazon company. 
on here. And we, we've spent a lot of time thinking about home security from a hardware perspective. And certainly a lot of the home, you know, the home protection services, ADT and some of the other ones, they're kind of starting to roll up into, you know, they're starting to consolidate from that standpoint. But the trick has always been the intelligence or the the service behind this. Yeah, behind this. Can you talk a little bit about how you you're approaching this? We're watching a video now of kind of a uh, of a you know someone the home the cameras on at the home and intruders coming up to the door. Someone's reacting to that. So talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, so, so I I've had cameras on my house, and in fact, one of the funny things if you just pause it right there, that's actually my front door. So this this video <laughs> that you're playing was shot at my house. This is my front door. And, and I've had cameras at this home forever. And what I realized after I installed them, I had like the really expensive camera system installed, was that one day after I had the cameras installed, I turned the notifications off because I was getting 150 notifications a day. No matter what I did, no matter how I tuned it, it just became noise. Like, okay, so the number of people that have broken into my house since I installed cameras is zero. The number of notifications I've gotten since that time is somewhere around like 350 million notifications of just pure noise. And so I, I, I just I did not like that kind of concept. And when you think about how serious an issue this is, as much as I have you know respect for what Jamie built at, at Ring and like what those companies do, my challenge with them is that they've lulled you into this kind of sense of complacency. Like I put cameras up, I'm safe. Wrong. Right, full stop, wrong. I installed an alarm system, therefore I'm safe. Full stop, wrong. And the reason I knew that was because my neighbor had a home invasion. And she's at home, she didn't have her arm alarm armed because she's at home. She had cameras. And so what, what does she have after this home invasion? She has a video of 15 minutes of these guys in masks, getting ready outside of her house, breaking her door down, then coming out an hour and a half later, still wearing masks and leaving. We meet with the police and the police say, well, what do you want me to do with this? And that's the moment where you realize, holy living God, I've been living a lie. Mm -hmm. I have been living a freaking lie because then the police say, well, what do you want me to do? This? And you say, well, do what you're supposed to do. Well, let me just let me just let you in on a secret here. Like the police are human beings, too, mm -hmm. subject to the same constraints of physics in the universe that we are. And so when you have a video of three guys wearing masks going in and no license plates and nothing to go on, they can do exactly nothing more with that than you or I could. And that was just this huge wake up moment to me. I actually raised my hand at the neighborhood watch me. And I was like, well, so what are you going to do? And he's like, well, you're the tech guy. What do you want to do with this? What would you do with it? And I was like, oh, oh, nothing. It's like, what did you want? The cameras to jump out and stop the crimes? Yes. And that was the moment when I was like, you know what? Somebody needs to build cameras that jump out and stop crimes. Yeah. And that's what Deep Sentinel does. The In the video uh, demo, uh, it, it shows that person being confronted by a security individual. Mm -hmm. um, and so there's someone always monitoring. That's someone yep. is not you, right? And it gives you the opportunity to, to kind of stop those before they happen. We, we've had, um, my previous co-host had someone, you know, run across his lawn, with a, you know, with a car and, and, oh, you know, do some damage. Right. And he got a partial license plate or some part of the license plate. Mm -hmm. They still from, you know, from that standpoint getting the photo while helpful 
doesn't solve and it doesn't necessarily solve the crime. So you guys, I mean, it, it, to, to kind of really put a point, if I can build off that yeah. example to kind of describe what we do. So the moment that car or a person enters your property line, from that second forward, there's an AI that's attached to these cameras. And this AI doesn't just say, oh, that's a person or that's a car. It says, hey, that car person's doing something they're not supposed to be doing or might be suspicious. Bam, it sends that video within three seconds to a guard. That guard's job is if it's a person doing something like with crowbar at your door, hey, stop, this is deep sentinel security, I'm gonna send the police. And that critical sentence, uh, is so important for, for two reasons. Number one, most of the time people just leave. But number two, it's not a lie. When we call police and we say, hey, I'm at Jim's house and I see three guys in masks with a crowbar breaking into the front door. You know what every police department knows what to do with that? That is a live crime in progress. You have a description of the suspects. You have a description of the crime. You have a description of their location. And they know exactly what to do to respond. When, when they get a call from a homeowner that says, yeah, hey, I got this video from 48 hours ago, what are you going to do? Or you get a call from an alarm company. Hey, I've got an open garage door. This is what happens at my house all the freaking time, right? I've got an open garage door at David Selinger's house. Well, what do you want me to do? I'm a cop. I'm not a door opening and closing service. You want me to drive to his house and close his door for him? That's a waste of everybody's time. This The, the county of Los Angeles did an analysis. The chief of police multi-billion dollar budget, right? This is LA. Billions of dollars. 15% of their entire policing budget was going to false alarms. And so they said, look, we're not going to do it anymore. That's just a waste of time. And now, you know, fast forward five years, we now know what happens, right? Like it is a waste of time, but we're in trouble, right? Like there's, there's not a better solution. And that's what Deep Sentinel is out there to do. So when we call police, we give them all the information they need Police arrive on the scene from deep sentinel calls within a couple of minutes. Is the AI then a part of it really just trying to detect because you don't want to call the police when the neighbor's walking their dog and the dog runs onto the lawn, right? Is that really the the magic behind it is kind of there's a little bit more to it, I gotta be honest. And, and yeah. part of it's secret sauce ish, yeah. right? So I'm gonna yeah. be like a, you know, a little Elon Musky on you here. Yeah, be be as dodgy as you as you want. Not, be. not as cool okay. as not as cool as Elon though. Um uh, I, I apparently can't have twins and then hide that from the world too, right? Like Elon gets away with murder, man. Uh, uh, but um, hopefully not actually murder, by the way. But uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, our AI does a lot of things. Our AI does exactly what you're saying. Like filter out the useless stuff. I was just over at my neighbor's house. This is another neighbor who had a break-in and he did not have Deep Sentinel. And he's like, I just installed these new cameras and the batteries die every two days because it's got all these false alarms every time something blows in the wind. It's using up the the feeds and it's just useless. So I turned off the notifications. So I was like, well, you know, welcome to the world, right? And um, and that's part of it. The second part of it, though, is what we've realized is that our AI is connected to guards. Our guards produce just a phantasmagoric amount of data. And AI is really good at analyzing data. So we actually apply our AI not just to the videos to filter out the neighbors, we apply it to the guards. We analyze our guards' performance. We can tell if a guard's getting tired within like two or three uh, minutes. Hmm. So you don't have guards playing, you know, iPhone games here. Like you, I'm sure you've been to like New York or whatever. You go to a big building. Yeah, go go on up. I've got Flappy Bird going here. Get out of my face, right? Stranger Things. The new one just dropped. Yo, get out of my face. Mm-hmm. That's that's useless, right? That's expensive and useless. 
And so we use AI to measure our guards. We use AI to make our guards better. We use AI everywhere in the business. Mm. We have seen with companies like Sighthound where they're getting really good, I think is an industry, we're getting really good at that pet, animal, person, car, truck. I mean, that we're getting really good at that identification. Do you, when we think about the improvement cycles, I mean, AI always has this promise of being able to improve things. Are you seeing improvements at a scale that are happening in months as opposed to years in identification? So, I mean, dude, this is my favorite topic of my career, right? So I, so I said, I went to Stanford and I studied AI yeah. and that was in the nineties. And in the nineties, AI was like kind of big promise and, and, you know, mediocre ish delivery, right? Like this was the days when, you know, war games, this is, this is, maybe this only appeals to some of your customers who will remember the movie war games, right? Oh, yeah. No, they and all remember it. They all remember old that fart movie. alert, old fart yeah. alert. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, there was like war games and then there's like the sentient robots and, and, you know, danger Will Robinson and that, that whole kind of part of the world. And, and we didn't even get close, right? Like even today, you know, there was a great AI demo a couple of weeks ago where somebody said, you know, we're working on uh, conversational features in Alexa. And I was like, that's awesome. I've had my Alexa for five years. You know what I'd really like instead of conversational features I'd like it so that every time I add something to my Amazon cart, Alexa doesn't repeat the same statement. We've added it to your cart. If you'd like to check your cart, why don't you go to amazon.com or you can, are you freaking kidding me? Can you just count the number of times you've said that? It's got to be like 20,000 and I never do it. Leave me alone, right? So, so sorry, I, I kind of went off there a little bit on AI. It's good. It's, it's important. I still love AI though. And about eight years ago, there was a new type of AI that got invented called deep learning. And at first I thought this was just like everything else, like oh, a bunch of marketing fluff, you know, a bunch of guys in stiff suits, the, the scientist invented, you know, the, this tiny thing. And the scientist's job is to put a microscope on it and make it seem like it changes the world. And it doesn't, that has been categorically untrue. Uh, and, and, and let me give you some examples that everybody listening to this knows, right? So number one, I mentioned Alexa speech recognition was about 78 to 85% accurate 10 years ago. The state of the art speech recognition at the NSA, uh, those types of things were at 85% accurate. And I can now build something that's comparable with Alexa, which is 99% accurate for less than a thousand dollars. That's deep learning. Uh, facial recognition, which used to be about 65% accurate it is now, I mean, you know, right? Like you've got it on your phone. It's super cheap. It's everywhere. That's using deep learning. And now it's 99% accurate. Image recognition. You just mentioned recognizing cats, dogs, cars. That's all deep learning. Everything you're talking about is built on this technology called deep learning. And at first I thought, you know, again, it's going to be fake. I dug in. I was like, oh my God, this is freaking amazing. I, I was, I just left my last job. So I was in kind of semi-retirement. I went down to my lab. I have a I have my computer lab here, and then in my garage, I have a robotics lab. I've got kind of a full shop and electronics and soldering and circuit boards and stuff like that, and a 3D printer, um, two 3D printers, actually. Yay, that was fun. <laughs> uh, and so I went down there, and I built an AI to play Mario, uh, Super Mario Brothers. So, you know, do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do. And at first, it didn't work, and I was like, oh, this is all BS. Dude, I built an AI in my garage that beat Super Mario Brothers 
in like a month. Mm. Just stuff that had never mm. been done before. Mm. And so that's really, to me, that's super motivating. And it's still going, right? So last year, Google wrote a version of deep learning that uh, can do genetic folding. So it can predict, here's a gene. What are the yep. proteins that are going to come out of that? And that was a problem that scientists thought was not going to get solved for another 15 to 20 years. Mm-hmm. And so deep learning is still very, very front of mind. So, so sorry if the, for the long answer, but no, like, I am great. super motivated. This technology to me, it will change all of our lives before we die. And it will change our kids' lives so much. It's amazing. One of the problems with AI has always been the humans because we misidentify things. We we're not like it's the learning yes, part Dave, of it. You're the, the problem. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Ex- right on. Exactly. You know, and I'm not trying to predict, you know, Skynet or any of this, but as we think, as you think about your learning routine, you know, your system getting smarter, how do you, how do you solve that problem for the human knowing that, listen, humans are going to, you know, somebody's going to misidentify something. They're going to see something that they don't, they didn't actually see or identify something that they didn't actually identify. How do you, in, in that world, how do you build that in to account for the weakness, the weak link of the humans? Yeah. So, you know, the approach that we use there, we, we have two really key kind of principles that we think about. It's a great question, by the way. Um, the, the first principle is designed to fail fast and be robust in a world where there are failures like that. So, you know, if you think about a lot of systems, the space shuttle, for example, why is SpaceX so much better than NASA at building shuttles? Elon Musk started that process not saying, let's remove all errors. In fact, the first, I don't know, it was like 15 or 20 SpaceX launches all failed and failed spectacularly. And everybody made fun of it. And I remember sitting in front of a a bunch of investors one day and I said, you don't get what he's doing. He's not trying not to fail. He's trying to fail quickly and learn faster than NASA because he's launched 15 rockets in the time period NASA has launched zero. Mm -hmm. And that means he has gotten to learn infinitely more than NASA did in that same time period. And so we built our AI with kind of that same set of assumptions. We don't assume that people aren't going to be fallible. In fact, we assume they're going to be fallible. And so instead of avoiding failure, which again, you ultimately want to remove, you design with failure in mind. You design a system that accommodates it and is still robust even with failure. The second thing we do is we design understanding the biases of human beings. And again, same thing. Don't pretend that it doesn't exist because then you're just going to fail. Instead, embrace it, embrace reality, and then design around it. Do you think at some point in time you'd be willing to turn the guard duties over to AI and let it respond in kind, you know, to, to someone at the door, the AI actually responds as opposed to a human? So, Jim, do you think you've actually been talking to David Selinger this whole time? <laughs> I hope so, but maybe not. Him. He'll, he'll walk in in just a moment. Uh, no, no, I'm just yeah, kidding. Yeah, no, it's, it's great. That's I could try great. to actually do that, try to pull that off and, and do, do it. Listen, if you, if you did that, you'd, you'd have some, <laughs> you'd have some, that'd be earth. Like that'd ultimate be earth mic drop moment, shattering. right? Yeah, it'd be great. Uh, you know, so, so security is one of these spaces where I think that humans will always be necessary for, for three different reasons. Reason number one 
before you pull the trigger, right? Like and call the police or, or, you know, make these big decisions, you want a human review. And, and I think that's just, that's, that's something that we are going to want for a long, 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 long time, arguably indefinitely. Number two, human beings, uh, uh, are, are good at some things and machines are good at others. What we do as a system is we have the machines do the part that they're really good at. And we have the humans do the part that they're really good at. Right. And, and so determining kind of entire social context of behavior, that's not something that machines are really good at staying awake 24 seven. That's something machines are really good at mm-hmm. not missing a person walking into a door. That's something machines are really good at. But, but the part that humans are good at and that interaction and decompressing like, hey, when I say to you, let me give you an example. We, we had a guy that was walking up to one of our customers' businesses and he said, hey, uh, this is Deep Settle Security. I don't think you're supposed to be here right now. Can you please step away? And the guy said, oh, you're just a robot. To, to your exact point, I don't need to do anything. Anyway, I'm a banana. Okay. So our guard was like, uh, sir, if I'm a banana... You can just call me Mr. Banana, but I still need you to move on right now. Okay. And, you know, maybe at some point computers will get good at that type of like, let me read the room and figure out what I'm going to use to get this guy off the, off the scene. But sure enough, the guy left and he, he kind of giggled and he left, you know, we don't normally want to get giggles out of our criminals, but if that's what it takes to get them off the property, we want. Right. The third thing is uh, th- that in security specifically, if you look at every type of security device there is in the world, devices only, technology without human beings, they ultimately fail, right? They reach the point where they don't work. Case in point, 1984, you own a Corvette. Probably know you're more of like a, a T-bird, right? Or a Firebird. You had a Pontiac Firebird. I know you did. It's okay. I had a Fiero, so you were cooler than me anyway. <laughs> And, you know, people were breaking into cars. So you installed this sick thing called a car alarm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Fast forward 25 years and car alarms are the backtrack for music and and rap Mm -hmm. videos, right? Like Mm -hmm. they they do exactly zero. They're just noise. Locks on doors do nothing. Fences do nothing, right? And so objects that are inanimate, eventually their value just converges to zero over time. But human beings right? Go back 4,000 years. The richest families had somebody that stood outside the door. Who goes there? What are you doing there? Tell me what you're doing. Fast forward 3,000 years. You know, what does Mark Zuckerberg have outside of his house? I'll tell you what he has. A guy that says, hey, who goes there? What are you doing right there? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, That's a constant in terms of its effectiveness. And for people that really want to stop these crimes, and that's what we do. Like I said, we're the company that stops crimes. It's a necessary part. Yeah, we we spend a lot of time on Cyber Frontiers, the, the other podcast here on the channel, talking about reducing the risk, security risks, to the lowest possible footprint. Right? You can't you can't be a hundred percent. It's not really cost effective either to be a hundred percent secure, right? But these, the, what you're talking about here, really reduces that footprint. It moves them on, moves them to another, moves That's them right. to you know on on uh, you know at least away from from your area that you're trying to yep. protect. Let's talk some gear here for a second on your, uh, on your site. Let me bring this up. You've really got kind of three different options. One's a wireless solution. And then you've got a POE, which a lot of the listeners have here uh, use POE um, kind of POE solutions. And then 
in beta, a third party where you're able to bring uh, cameras in. What do you prefer is in this work that you're doing, if you could talk to the audience and say, hey, look, <laughs> we've learned a lot of things on this. Options sometimes equal confusion. What do you prefer? What do you, what do you tell your friends on these kinds of setups? Oh man, what do I tell my friends? Yeah. I tell my friends to throw away their ring, throw away their Google Nest and get this and stop screwing around. That's what I tell my friends. And I don't care which one they get. Of course. Yes. Just just freaking stop pretending. You know, uh, and and I'm kind of joking but I'm kind of being serious. I mean, the the lull into complacency that ADT and Ring have created is I think the single most dangerous thing in physical security. It's not that these things don't work some of the time. It's that their customers really believe that they work most of the time. Mm. And the fact is they don't work most of the time. 60% of Americans live in a jurisdiction where their police department has passed a law that states they do not need to respond to burglar alarms mm. ever. Right. Wake up call. Your mm -hmm. police department went to the trouble. A non-political organization went and stood in front of politics and said, hey, come look at me. Which police, if you guys have got friends who, who are cops, like that's the last thing they want to do, right? Let me go stick my nose in politics. Not at all. But they had to do it because it was so wasteful. And so uh, in terms of the different gadgets, though, so we've got a wireless camera. All, 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 for those of you that are that are you know watching this the feed, this is our wireless camera. It's pretty badass. It's got a you know a hundred decibel speaker up here, it's got that red LED light ring which is a little bit more ominous than the, than, you know, like an Arlo or a Nest or a ring. It's really designed that when it needs to scare someone away that it can't. And then it's got a, a camera and a motion detector down here. I have five of these around my house right now. These are great. They work well. Um, you know, like any wireless device. So they do lose connectivity from time to time. We monitor it. We send you an alert, things like that. But like it is, it's a wireless device. Um, I have most of them on solar panels, so they're always charged. But, you know, if, if you don't want to get solar panels, you do have to swap the batteries. And it's a DIY. That's something I could install if I wanted to. It's like a 30-minute install. I mean, it's literally, yeah. it's designed to be so quick. We It was so fun to build, by the way, too. So when we built this, um, I, I'm, a, I'm a stickler for customer experience. So, you know, you asked me that question earlier. Mm -hmm. And so what we would do, I had our first prototypes. Our office was right next to this coffee shop. And I would go down to the coffee shop with $50 bills and say, hey, does anybody have 30 minutes? They can just go try out this new product. And people freaking loved it. It was so fun. They're like, most of them didn't even take the 50 bucks. They're like, this was so cool. I got to test a product that isn't in the market. And like, you know, we had the, you know, moms, dads, kids come in and install it. And it was, you know, we reduced it to one screw and really, really easy to do. But it is really kind of the quintessence of, of, of uh, of DIY. The product that I like the most for staying power is our POE. That's the one that you said in the middle. And this is a POE system that's manufactured by us. It's about the same price as any other POE on the market. It has integrated, pre-integrated audio on it. We have pre-verified accessories and, and, and uh, junction boxes and mounting cables. And we have installers in all the major metropolitan cities in America. Now, that's the one that I think for, for business owners that really need a real security uh, solution, you've got trespassing issues from homeless people, you've got a fleet of cars, you have a car lot, you don't want to mess around with, with batteries and wireless stuff over time. That is a rock solid solution that I would recommend for, for the majority mm -hmm. of people. Now, some people already have cameras, so they just installed new POE cameras like 
you know, eight months ago or whatever, and they don't want to throw them away. That's why we have what we call our BYOC, bring your own camera option. Um, I did my BYOB. I brought my own beverage, but yeah, you, know, you get the BYOC option if you want to bring your own cameras. We do support uh, uh, three different manufacturers of fully certified cameras. Those are Hikvision, Uniview, and Ovis. Uh, so if you happen to have those, we, we support them. We also have actually behind the scenes, we actually have a tool that we built that allows you to run it on a Windows machine. You can just test your cameras and see if we support them. Um, but honestly, what we have found is most people that have installed POE cameras for themselves don't have audio devices. Mm. And to really get the full Deep Sentinel experience, they want to add audio. And so what we've seen from people that are testing this is they'll, they'll say, like, I've got eight cameras around my house. Why don't you do this? Why don't you replace two of them with Deep Sentinel cameras? I'll use six of them that I already have. And then we're going to put really loud speakers on the two that have audio, one in the front of the house, one in the back, or one in the front of my business, one in the inside, and then one in the back, back lot. And so you end up with kind of more of a heterogeneous uh, mix, but it still reduces your cost pretty significantly. You know, you're saving like 2000 3000 bucks um, for, for POE. <clears throat> the one heads up to everybody, you know, most of the folks on here are their own kind of like hardcore IT geeks and, and, and DIYers. We do require, unless you're a certified installer, that you use a certified installer. So the, the POE is a lot more expensive. Like our wireless is kind of at par with the market, 800, 900 bucks for a kit. The POE is typically, you know, 2,000, 3,000, $4,000 for, um, for an installation. Good entry point would probably be while you're building, right? If you're building, if you're currently building, you want to have a security system, you putting in a PO, putting in your POE system, probably easier to be done during the building process. Are you, are you getting yeah. any of those? Yeah, we we're doing some deals with some developers. We have a number of customers that are, that own like dozens and dozens of properties. We've got like 20,000 cameras out in the, in the market right now. And so um, I think we've gotten to the point where we have enough experience to really help people get through all those different, uh, all those different phases. That's cool. Your um, both solutions have a hub of some kind. This is the POE hub, a little bit bigger, little larger than the hub that you use. I think the hub that you use for the DIY solutions looks more like an Alexa, a uh, little smaller right. unit. What What's going on? What What are we doing with, with the local, what's coming here? I'm assuming most of this going to the cloud anyways, but what are we doing with the hubs? Uh, so that's actually, yes, we're sending some video to the cloud and yes, we're streaming through the cloud to the guards. This is a beefy device. Um, our hub runs all of our machine learning and AI remotely. It runs it on premise. It runs it in your business, in your home. And when I say it runs the AI, by the way, you asked the question about kind of like speed of iteration and, and, and how much is happening. I don't think I answered your question. So I got away from that one. Um, what we do that's really, really unique is not only do we run the predictions in our AI at, at your home or at your business, we actually make customized models just for your property. And to do that, we need that extra computational power. So you'll see that you highlighted there, we have an NVIDIA GPU in our POE hubs. We do custom training just for your property on that hub, just for your device. So we take the feedback from the guards, we combine that with all the data out there, and then we make a custom model just for you. And we're, as far as I know, we're the only company in the world that's even thought about doing something like that. And that's where almost all of our R&D budget's going. It's, it's um, you know, again, as kind of a, a geek builder dude, that's that's where I like to spend my time thinking about it. It's it's a really exciting space. 
uh, the, the, the shape of the curve is just up and to the right, up and to the right, up and to the right. And so that's where we pour a bunch of our R&D time and energy. When you say a custom model, it gets me thinking of having a robot vacuum cleaner that is going around my house, mapping, you know, ma- mapping the floor so it knows where to go and what to do. What, what's your custom model? What's that look yeah, like? Yeah, yeah. So, so, so that robot vacuum that's mapping your house is using a common model to identify, like, what are the walls? What, what are the shoes? You know, what, what what's going on in your house? What would make it a custom model is that robot vacuum recognizes, hey, I went forward and I ran into this thing and it totally screwed me up. And then it backs up and it takes a picture of it and then trains itself to identify that object. Oh, look, this is, you know, Jim's kind of a slob and he leaves pizza on the ground. He's the only person that's ever left pizza. Or my shoes. My shoes is probably a better shoes are more common, right? Like it probably has a model to identify shoes. You're the only person that just stores your pizza on the floor. And so it has to learn to identify pizza on the floor, which most robot vacuums don't do. And so it would have to build a custom model just to identify pizza just for you because it doesn't need to identify pizza at my house. I'll tell you, Jim, I don't store pizza on the floor at my house. And so (laughs) it would build a custom model just for you. What our AI does is, for example, you have a flag at, at at your front door. We will build a custom AI model that just identifies your flag at your home Mm. in order to be able to filter that out. Because, you know, for some reason, our general model that we use at everybody's home doesn't work with that flag. And so it will actually customize that to learn just stuff that we only see at your property. Yeah, I have those rings. And from time to time, when the wind is blowing on the deck, it will identify, you know, the, the patio furniture has a little flap. That's and it right. just blows in the wind. It would be nice to train that out, you know. And that's exactly what we do. So we so by using that computational power at the edge, we we look at the feedback from this this loop. Oh, this is happening constantly. It's probably noise. We confirm it's noise. We create a special model just for you at your house to filter that out. Dave, you live in California and you live in this bubble. We, I think we were talking about this in the pre-show where everybody's beautiful and the weather's nice all the time and it's great. But some of us live in part of the country where the temperature gets to 20 or 30 below or it, you know, like it was here yesterday, it was 104 here mm-hmm. um, yesterday. How in, 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 in general, as we think about not only your equipment, how do we how do you account for some of those just gigantic temperature swings on some of this equipment that's sitting outside 24 seven? Yeah. So, so what we do is it's a good question too, because the the way that you want to solve this has to be economical for everyone, but reasonable for everyone too. And, Oh, we got a question. That's an audience question. Yeah, that was, sorry. I should have, I should have mentioned, I realized. Thanks for asking your dog. Super cute. I have a half pug, half chihuahua that looks just like your dog. So, um, so what we do is we build the core kit to work from, I think it's like negative 10 to 110. That's kind of the range. But if you're in Arizona and it gets up to 115 a couple times a year, you got to have a, a, a unique solution to that. And so what we do is we solve with the product, the core product, that middle range. And then for the extremes, we have best practices in those extremes. So in Arizona, we recommend that, you know, this is a, a reasonably dark colored camera, put something in front of it to, to, so it's not in the direct sunlight for 12 hours a day. 
put something over it so that it has some shade. And if you don't do that, you will suffer the consequences. Right? It's, just, it's like kind of, you know, you have a computer, right? Like, and it should work all the time, but if you pour it water on it, it, it doesn't work, you know, and that's, that's just kind of the way that it works. And, and so be really crystal clear with your constraints and then provide workarounds so that people can use it in all the different scenarios. And we now have customers in the northernmost parts of Alaska, and we have customers in Arizona where it's 115 degrees. Um, and so like, for example, with cold temperatures, we have our standard battery. We also have a custom battery that we provide that has a, an internal heater. And that internal heater ensures that we can operate in temperatures down to, I think it's like negative 20, uh, 25 degrees Celsius or negative 40 degrees Celsius. And so we have no problems in those situations. <clears throat> and that's an accessory. And so we solve the core problem for everybody and then provide solutions for, for everybody else. Um, the other thing that we do is we also have a plug-in. So for those people that are in really cold areas, you can just put it on. It, it has the battery, but it's running off of wall power most mm -hmm. of the time. Yeah, and and charging it. The My doorbell is not, it's just battery only. And in the winter here, you know, we probably have three really cold weeks throughout the winter and uh, i i can watch it go yeah <laughs> i can watch like just it just you can almost see it go down you pull it in the house and recharge it and it's fine and the you want to know something fun jim I, I i using that story i'm going to share something with you that everybody listening i want you to stop this is a piece of advice and a, and a piece of wisdom that you've been asking yourself since the day you became an adult maybe even before then and I'm going to answer it for you right here and right now. Why does your smoke alarm always go off in terms of the battery alert at two o'clock in the morning? <laughs> and, 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 it, and it seems like a joke, but it's yeah. actually always at two o'clock in the morning. And the reason is exactly what you just said is that the temperature in a home over the course of an average day reaches a point at between two and five o'clock in the morning where it dips below the, the, mm -hmm. the temperature of the entire rest of the day. The average usage of a battery uh, is, is I think it's like a year and a half or two years, you know, you're supposed to replace it every year, but it's a year and a half to two years, which means you're using about a third of a percent of the battery every single day. And if you're using a third of a percent of the battery, a quarter percent of the battery, mm -hmm. that means that the temperature drop between 15 degrees between the center of the, the afternoon and two o'clock in the morning is yeah. sufficient to be equivalent to about two days of usage, which means, again, just doing really simple math, you will always look like the absolute lowest that you'll be two days from now at two o'clock in the morning. And so it always has to go off at two o'clock in the morning. So <laughs> no, just, that makes a lot of sense. Wondering. Yeah, no, that makes, yeah, that makes a lot of sense is just <laughs> as far as the temperature. Cause it really, I guess, you know, I never realized as a kid, I never thought about battery usage and, and what heat or cold can do to it. But oh, now that massive. we have batteries and everything, right. I mean, you just, you're just at the mercy of it yeah. and, and you take, you know, I've watched some guys flying drones. And they get the on cold days, and they get the drones up. In oh there. snap! Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I know it's supposed to come back, but you have no battery. Like, and it's draining quickly, right? Type deal. And so, it's um, it has definitely become a. And I think uh, this is why I kind of lean towards POE 
from a yeah, from a solution sure. because you're not in a lot of those cases. Let, then let me ask you this, since I've got you here and you're an expert on this, as we think about these dome cameras versus yep. the traditional cameras that you have, and I know you get some more functionality, but what do you like? What do you prefer as you're thinking about as a company putting these solutions in? What do you like to do, or is it just solely based on what that camera needs to be able to do? Yeah, so I mean, you've got the capabilities of a camera. The capabilities of a camera can really be kind of summarized in in three kind of buckets, right? What is it physically limited by? Meaning, is the sensor 4K? Is it 8K? Is it 2K? Is it HD? Then you've got, does it, you know, what are the capabilities it has? Does it have audio? Does it have uh, audio and video? And then the third is, what's the software running on it? And, you know, between a bullet camera and a dome camera, very frankly, the internals are almost exactly the same. But you're not really getting anything different. You're just choosing a form factor. I think bullet cameras look a little more aggressive, so I have those sitting to the side of my entrance. They're not on my front door because I don't want to scare people coming on my front door. But if you're if you're scoping my property out, you're going to see bullet cameras to the side of my front door, just because that's what they look like, and I like it. Um, I have one on my driveway, and then I have dome cameras around the rest of my driveway. I have dome cameras, um, and then I have our our wireless cameras at the edges of my at the edges of my property line at the fences. Um, in terms of you know what what you're you're looking at from a capability, that really the only like fundamental capability difference between a dome camera and a bullet camera or you know a turret camera would be uh, that bullet cameras tend not to be opened during install. Turret cameras and dome cameras are opened during their install, meaning that you put the screws through the actual encasement through from the inside to the outside, uh, and that's how you install them which means that they're exposed to weather, which also means that if you hire a, a, a doofus installer and they don't seal it all the way, or they don't put a desiccant, uh, like those little silicon um, uh, uh, absorbers inside of it, you are gonna have a crappy looking image in you know, T minus three months, because it's gonna rain or you know, humidity is gonna get in and it's gonna uh, evaporate and condense on the inside of the lens and now you're hosed. So, a bullet camera is a little bit more of an idiot-proof device than the dome cameras, but I mean, honestly, like if you hire somebody that does that anyway, you know, first and foremost, write them a really, really bad Yelp review and have them replace it. Um, you know, so <laughs> yeah, it's, I think there's a way to solve that, but that's really it in terms of the differences. I I I appreciate your thinking. Like your your thinking as you install these cameras, it's not just about the best picture in the best area, or necessarily how it looks aesthetically. You're kind of thinking about the mind of a, someone who's casing the property and going, oh, now, wait a minute. I see that there. I mean, it, I, I think there's some that's part of the design thinking as well going into this. Oh, is absolutely. Like, right? I mean, like we're, we're that's what's unique about us is that we're thinking about not how do I record the best crime? How do I make sure that I right. catch someone breaking in? Like, yeah. for the love of God, I don't want to catch anyone breaking in. What I want to do is I want to be put the camera in a position where we can prevent it. Right. I want to put the camera in a position yeah. where, like, for example, we in all of our properties for the main entrance and secondary entrances, we have a camera that can see the person's hand as they're touching the door. Think about your ring camera and somebody's trying to break in. You generally cannot see their hand against the door, which is a really informative piece of information. Right. Like if I were a cop and I wanted to see is this person trying to pick the lock or jam the door or, or, or break it? That's exactly what I want to see. And so we position our cameras in a place that's fundamentally different because 
again, if you're if you're just doing cameras that record, look, you already know they broke it because it was four hours ago. And your stuff's all gone. It's recorded. You, you don't have to ask yeah. that question. Yeah. <laughs> These yeah. are all forensic devices. Right. We are using cameras for something fundamentally different. Our cameras yeah. are used to prevent, and so therefore we put them in different places. We think about them different. Yeah, I, it's it's an interesting way, and I'm not sure I've thought all the way through that until you've been talking about it, of, of using them. I mean, we know people put security signs in the yard as right as preventative, but using the cameras themselves, that's an interesting, now that becomes interesting to kind of think, okay, uh, the way we place them, where we put them, what we're trying to get with it, and and, and then adding the AI, the AI bit to it makes a difference as well as being yeah, able let, to let me add a little bit to that too. The very last one. Yeah. Like we saw that in, in a lot of crimes, like um, both business and residential break-ins, the, the burglars would be service providers to the house or to the, to the business, right? You have your cable guy shows up and I, Oh, Oh no, I was just here. I'm, I'm late for my appointment. I'm good. I'm, I'll just, I'll come back tomorrow, you know, or, and, and, that wasn't quite right. You know, like what, what's this guy doing? Or, or they'll bring, you know, we used to have this big problem in California. We've got Comcast and Comcast was contracting out all their services. And so the, the contractors would bring their friends and they would bring like three people and they would fully case your place when they came to do your install. And then sure enough, those same friendly folks would be there two days later, but at two o'clock in the morning. Right. And, um, and it's like, this was rampant. And so one of the things that we do and as a part of our design is we make sure that people that are coming to your, to your business, to your home, know that deep sentinels there. So when you, when you walk up in our wireless camera, this little red led light ring is going off and people were like, Hey, what is that usually? Well, there's guards watching whenever the led light rings on. Oh, okay. For real. Second thing we do. If you have a service person come into your house, I always make sure when I have a service person come into my house, I don't answer my door for 30 seconds. Why do I do that? Because within 30 seconds, Deep Sentinel will identify a loiter behavior, which is a somewhat suspicious behavior. It's not like, hey, get the hell out of here type behavior. But it's a, hey, let me make sure that this person knows that there's a guard watching. So after 30 to 60 seconds on my front door, when my pest control guy comes or my cable guy comes, they hear, this is Deep Sentinel security, just checking to make sure that there's something I can do to help you with. And they'll say, oh, no, I'm uh, I'm just here to check the cable. And they'll say, okay. Great. I'm just going to stand by and watch you then until the homeowner gets here. Mm -hmm. They're not coming back. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's what yeah. I want. Yeah. And that's all yeah. kind of this design thinking that's, it's not just the product. It's not just the placement of the product. It's the whole thing together. It's the AI and the service and the guards and how do they do that? That's, that's what we think about. Yeah. No, love it. Uh, Andrew's got one more question. He says, are the dome cameras PTZ? They are not right now. We are still looking at how we're going to support PTZ. Uh, we, we do not currently support PTZ options. Good enough. You got me thinking, uh, that now I should answer like, cause I'm down here during the day working from home a lot of times and I'll get somebody to come to the front door and I just walk up there and answer it. I should answer it as a security guard in a security <laughs> guard's voice. Oh no, I just gave away my business secret. Yeah, no, I, I think that's great. It's how I answer my phone. If you right. get my cell phone right. number, please don't get my cell phone number. No, no. I will answer as this is Mr. David Selinger's office. Can I help you? If I don't, yeah. if I feel like yeah. answering, if you don't recognize number. the number, yeah, um, yeah, and then, it's, a good, and way. Then it's a good way to do it. I'll be my own assistant. No, and and they'll you know they'll tell telemarketers they'll push. Oh no no I I I, I wanted to talk to you. And I'm like 
Uh, does Mr. Selinger know that you're calling right now? And I just yeah. keep, I just hold it all the way through. And typically right. by the end of it, they hang up on their own if they're not supposed to be calling me. Yeah. Um, I do have a funny yeah. story though. I did that once and I had my daughter do it for me. So I was like, Hey, I don't recognize this number. It's from LA. Why don't you answer it? And, uh, and so my daughter's talking to this lady. She's 10. She was nine at the time. It's <laughs> just, just ridiculous. Um, and the lady's like, no, uh, sweetie, this is, um, this is Leah Black. Uh, and I'm looking for Mr. Selinger. And, uh, and, and you know, for those of you that are, hopefully none of you are, but th that watch, you know, Housewives of Orange County, um, one of Leah Black's had refer friends had referred her to us and was, you know, just wanted to know more about our service. And so, and, and so my daughter had fully phone screened Leah Black and, and like sent her down the, the rabbit hole for, uh, for like, you know, a minute and a half, two minutes. And she, she was so kind and courteous and put up with it, you know, and, and eventually I did answer her question. So, you know, I, yeah. it, it all was made well, but it was a pretty funny story for her. Uh, I, and I don't think sometimes, you know, I had a, I had a guy, I have a friend from London who recorded my voicemail and it sounds super official, you know, and he, it picks up and he says, you've reached, you know, and he, and he goes through it in the whole British accent. I, I don't think it's a bad idea. I, I may even start answering because I don't answer the phone at all just because I'm afraid of a telemarketer or, you know, whatever. Right. I'm just like, I don't have time for you, but maybe I'll start answering it as a security service there you and, go. Uh, you know, just kind of, just kind of see what I, <laughs> <laughs> what I get, what I get back. And I definitely need to start talking through my speakers. We, you know, we, from time to time when my wife's out of town or I've been out of town, we've talked to each other long distance through the camera, you yeah. know, through the camera. And I'm assuming we didn't talk about this, but I'm assuming you have an app does all the, I have access to it yeah, wherever yeah. I go, all those, all those. It's a, you know, th think about it as everything that you could get with a ring or a nest or whatever, plus the, the added guard service and AI features. Yeah. My yeah, favorite yeah. thing though, is, you know, I mean, I, I turned off all the notifications, so I get zero notifications from my cameras unless there's a guard interaction. So if a guard decides that they want to do something, that's the only notification I get. So I get, you know, a notification once a week or so, and that's really yeah. it. And I, I love that. I love knowing that I don't have this like noisy thing that I believe is protecting my family that I'm ignoring. That's a bad feeling. You know, it's like yeah. if your alarm goes off at two o'clock in the morning, oh, Jesus, the kids left the garage door open. That's not what you want to be thinking. Like you installed this thing to think, ah, oh, this is something real. I got to get up and go do something. But anybody who owns an alarm system knows, right? Like it's, it's probably you just left the freaking door open or you let the mm. dogs out and they set off the motion alarm. Or yeah. Something. One of the smartest things I've done in the last couple of months is I installed a, um, you know, a smart device on my garage door opener. So not a smart garage door opener, just put a device that has a sensor to say if it's open or close yep. and it plugs into the, the button. So it open, I can open and close it. Cause I leave that garage door open all the time. I have all these cameras around and then I just leave the garage. Hey, you know, steal anything you want out of my garage. Right. <laughs> and, uh, putting that device on and What's then setting again? it for, oh, for yeah, exactly. <laughs> setting the, uh, I have a camera in the garage, by the way. So the, just because I do, do anything, the <laughs> <laughs> you're probably right. Um, <laughs> I, uh, uh, it's, it's scheduled every 30 minutes if it's open close it and man yeah. that that's already saved my bacon a couple times just because i've i know i've left it open and but within 30 minutes it's a little frustrating when i'm out mowing the lawn 
and it closes on its own. Yeah. Then I got to go onto my watch and open it kind of thing. But it's a, it's a great way to um, do it. All right. So for folks interested, deepsentinel.com, there's a phone number on the site. Um, I, I've perused to get some prices. I think really after talking to you, if you're really, really interested in something like this, I think the best thing to do is contact the company and get a quote, right? Because what I hear you saying is we do some deep experience work on what you're trying to do, then recommend a solution that's best for you. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, if, if you want to learn a little bit more about it, a couple of the places you can go, you can go to the um, our YouTube channel where we produce a video. Again, one of the neat things about what we do is we stop crimes. Like I wake up every morning with just a slew of emails here are all the burglaries that we stopped last night. Here are all the catalytic mm. converter thefts we stopped. Here are all the mm. auto burglaries we stopped. Here's the assaults we stopped last night. I mean, what a what an awesome thing to get to wake up to in the morning. Then we take the best ones of those and we produce a video every week on our, our deep oh, YouTube channel. That's I'll have to follow that. Yeah, I didn't I didn't see that. That's a great that's a great tip. I love what one, I love watching those videos. Listen, the theft of catalytic converters is way more prevalent today than I think probably home burglaries. And I I have friends that have had those stolen. So what I'm assuming is happening is the car is in camera view and you can see somebody going underneath the car, right? Yeah. Bingo. I mean, we have, we have tons of customers that run car lots. Uh, we have, uh, you know, new car dealers, used car dealers, car services. Um, we have people that just have a business that runs 24 seven. They want somebody to protect their, their car lots, whether that's an HOA, an apartment building, whatever. And so catalytic converter theft, you know, one of the, the the great things for our business, but bad for our country is in general, you know, outdoor crime, what we see at home is package theft, but catalytic convert theft, auto burglaries, they're at such a pace that about three years ago, four years ago, the FBI stopped reporting official statistics. Now they still report a number of how many even got reported, but they now have a big asterisk next to them saying we don't attempt to collect these data anymore. I mean, what a what a horrible outcome. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, it, it's good for our business and that we're the only company that really stops it. But I mean, my goal is to make our world safer. My goal is to leave this this world and this country safer for my kids so that I'm leaving the world a little better than I got it. Um, but man, it's tough. And, and you know, even the last couple of years, we've had 20 years straight of a reduction in burglaries, home, home burglaries, break-ins and violent crime. 2019 was the first year that we saw an uptick again, 2020 followed 2021 followed again. And so unfortunately, you know, in the last three years, you know, maybe related to the pandemic, maybe, maybe otherwise, but we saw the trend flip back around. And so, you know, I, I think that there's never been a time that's more important to think about efficacy of security and whether that's us or something else, you know, you got to do it, you know, do, do something about it. And I will, I'll, I'll, I'll throw something out there that's not related to Deep Sentinel, if that's okay for your listeners. Yeah, it'd cycle. be great. It'd be great. Yeah. So there's a practice called CEPTED, C-P-T-E-D. Um, it is an abbreviation that was made up by cops, and that's why it's so difficult <laughs> to, to deal with. <laughs> Might as well have been made up by, P, you know, PhDs. But uh, cops made up this thing called CEPTED. And what it is is it's crime prevention through environmental design. And SEPTED sounds horrible. Crime prevention through environmental design sounds a little bit more scientific. And then when you think about what it is, it's just what we talked about. My house not only has deep sentinel cameras, it also has motion sensor lights. I have like 25 motion sensor lights around the perimeter of my home. I have a number at the perimeter of the property. All my gates are locked. All my gates are hidden. Um, my, my fences are not weak. None of them are weak. All of my gates are strong. Uh, you can see from my back door 
all the way to my property line. I have nothing blocking my back door to my property. All of my cameras have direct line of sight to everything. It's designing your environment to, to prevent crime. And, uh, you know, police departments across the country are really looking at this. So, again, for, for techno geeks, right, like the things that, that happen there, motion sensor lights, you can buy them for like five bucks on Amazon. They're, they're solar powered. You hang them up anywhere. I have them nailed to trees at the edge of my property. So I don't even have to run lines or anything like that. And they, and they fundamentally change the security profile of your property. And so, you know, again, you should get deep sentinel just cause you should. Um, but you should also do these other things. Like it doesn't mean that everything has to be expensive, but to really kind of solve the security thing, it's, it's really about doing all of these things together. We, we put a really bright light on the front porch, which mm -hmm. keeps us from killing ourselves in the, it, when, when the kids leave at night, you know, uh, you know, maybe they've had a few too many over here. So it keeps them from, from killing themselves on the steps, but it's also one of those, it's that light that comes on. If you get too close to the house, it's going to pop on. We see it. It's, it's one of those mm -hmm. things that, you know, so kind of, again, reducing that attack surface, so to speak, yep. you're never going to be perfect, but reducing that you've you've had you know package theft we talked about catalytic converters and having you know this but package theft is also a problem any as you think about besides a camera and some of those other things any other thoughts you know i bought a like a package box 90 percent of the time i get them to use it you know they sometimes they it's so funny mm -hmm. they'll set it in front of the box you're <laughs> like you, you couldn't just lift the lid but any any other advice as we think about keeping our packages on our porches safe or any tips on that that you'd add in there? Yeah. I mean, like what I have uh, here is a combination, right? So a package box plus a camera on the, on the package box, which is monitored by guards. And so that, that combination, again, it depends on where you're at, right? If you're downtown San Francisco, that's what you should do. Uh, if, if you're in, you know, somewhere rural Nebraska, like what you got is probably okay. Uh, it, it also depends on, you know, what the, how important these things are that are getting shipped to you. Like I get more important stuff shipped to me from Nebraska, i.e. steaks <laughs> than I would ever ship to Nebraska. So we make some good know, steaks. I don't, I, oh, dude, man, the, the fact that you can <laughs> ship stuff with dry ice now is like, oh, right? like so the, the, the so crowd good. cheers in the background and it's just awesome. Um, mm -hmm. Probably not so good for the environment, but freaking good steak. <laughs> uh, we're in, we're hell, we're hello fresh. You know, I, I get hello fresh and they've, they have, they use these, they don't use dry ice, but they use this gel yeah. that is in there. And we've had almost hundred percent success with stuff arriving fresh, good and fresh for us. So, I mean, this, I, if, listen, if you would have told me 10 years ago, we could deliver fresh fruit and vegetables know, right? and meat in a box and it would get here. And like, you could, I'd have said no way, but the, the supply chain has gotten good at that. I mean, that delivery. Well, just, so it's, it's really good, except for when it's not. We had days that were 112 yeah, last year, yeah, yeah, and yeah. you get your package lost. Like the, It's not like you got your Amazon package lost, and it's a day late, and you're kind of pissed, or like you're annoyed. The number of maggots that will grow in a rotten piece of beef at 115 degrees stuck into a warehouse run by, you know. Yeah, a, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There is no end to the bounds of hell that my wife will scream at to deal with that situation. But to, to, to deal yeah. with package stuff, you know, again, it really depends on what you want to do, right? I, I think that the average person just for package stuff, a package box is probably right. You're, you're, you're making it clear that I take this seriously. You're taking away the, the core visibility of your packages on your porch to, to people driving by. 
you're, you're probably solving 90% of the problem. Um, if you're really concerned about it, you know, we're the only company in, at, at least as far as I know, we're the only company in the world that has professionally monitored, delivered package theft arrests. We have mm-hmm. numerous arrests where, you know, the, the person was too fast for a guard to intervene or the, the person ignored the guards. And so we had to call the police and we call the police and we're like, hey, here's the description of the person. If you happen to have an officer in the area, if you wouldn't mind, you know, arrest this person. And, you know, we, we, we get the video five minutes later, the officer pulls up, they're holding the package that we just saw leave officer knocks on the door, you know, husband or wife opens the door. Hey, what, what are you doing here? Why do you have my box? Well, sir, just, so you know, we just arrested this guy. You'll see him in the back of my vehicle. He's in handcuffs. Here's your package. And, and typically the homeowner's like, I didn't even know I got a delivery. Didn't know it got stolen. And here we have the cops bringing it back to us. So, you know, again, it, it really depends on what you want. Our our service is, is you know, it's more than the $2 a month for storing ring fees. So you have to really have a problem that you want to solve to, to use Deep Sentinel. But, you know, again, I, I think that for me and for for the average business that has real assets to protect, it's worth it by, by a country model. Yeah. Yeah. The area you're in, what, what you're worried about, some of those, I mean, all those pieces, I think, have to be. Uh, taken into account. I looked up the YouTube page. There it is. It I'm is gonna. Insane. I'm gonna. I'm subscribing to it. Oh, we'll click on oh, that. Yeah. Subscribe to it right now. I, this. I'm gonna get deep into this thing because if I, I were love- Mr. Beast, I'd give you like hundred thousand dollars right now. But uh... <laughs> go ahead and get out there. Uh, I think YouTube.com/slash C/slash Deep Sentinel will get you there on on that. And I like. I'm addicted to the glitter bomb guy who you know who made the packages that explode. The, the fake video and had his friends do it. Dude, that guy was the first YouTuber where we, it became okay for you to fake stuff. Just because mm. we weren't watching that to see reality, we were watching it for entertainment. It's cool. We're, right. we're good with what right. we see here. Yeah, but your stuff all real, right? This is all 100% footage. Of our videos are real. All footage that you have to 100% do. So real. so super cool. Hey, before I let you go, let's let's get some gadgets out of you. Like when you think of the gadgets besides your home security stuff. Yep. When you think of the gadgets that are around you, what what are you what can't you live without? What do you have to have? What do you use all the time? What are your gadgets? My my gadget ecosystem centers around my Alexa. And I'm sure, you know, Google Home and I'm, I'm sure Apple doesn't have comparable features just cuz it's Apple. But I'm, I'm pretty sure Google and Amazon have pretty comparable features. Oh, my God. Like, seriously, who buys an Apple product like that? So, sorry if any of your listens, listeners do, but like. No, they're all Windows guys here. So you're, you're, in, good, you're in good hands. I like Apple. I have, I've got a MacBook right here. But for the love of God, they're just they're so bad at ecosystem plays, right? You have something that you need. Like, it needs to integrate with a bunch of stuff. Do not buy Apple. End of day. Like, do not buy Apple. Stop. You know, do not pass go. Do not buy Apple. Okay. But anyway, um, so, so all of my gadgetry surrounds my Alexa and, and, and it, I really try to solve three problems. Number one, consistency and scheduling. So all my lights outside, um, are on a schedule from Alexa. Number two, I try to solve my wife loses all of our remotes. I love her. She's wonderful. We are perfectly yin and yang. I am all technical and math, and she is all fuzzy flowers, love and emotion. <laughs> and that means that before we had Alexa, we were, you know, had, you know, you can do subscribe and save on Amazon. 
we had a subscribe and save for every remote control in our house <laughs> because she would lose every single freaking one of them every single freaking month. Love her. Don't love that. Um, and, and, uh, <laughs> so I'm, I'm kind of joking. Yeah. I'm kind of not. No, no, uh, I understand. I understand. And then, uh, and so what I do with that, like, for example, I, I like buying everything. So I, I have relays. So for things that are not smart, I will buy an Alexa relay that has Alexa integration and then I will hook it into its power module. Mm -hmm. So I have relays for my outdoor heaters. There's no such thing as a smart outdoor heater right now. No. So 40,000, 80,000 BTU, like natural gas heaters, not, you know, made by Honeywell who doesn't right. care about your home no. integration at all. You know, like it's getting better though. There's more integration coming, but yes, I understand. Yeah. I mean, yeah, sure. Right. Uh, you know, Honeywell is the the only app store app that has less than one star on it. But, you know, sure, I'm sure I'm sure they're getting there really soon now. But <laughs> you're, yeah, I mean, it's, you're right. Like you're not wrong. You're not wrong. <laughs> I'm not. In fact, uh, if anyone from Honeywell is listening to this right now, the Honeywell home security app is named such. It's named 2.0 TC 2.0 so that anyone who has it installed and tries to type the number 20, it auto corrects to 2.0. So you can't literally cannot type the number 20. If you install the Honeywell home security app, you know, duly noted. But yeah. um, so what I use is I use relays. And so what I do is I take the high voltage power into my um, into my uh, into my heaters. They're running through an igniter and then I run a relay on the igniter. And so I take that, you know, and that's running at like 24 volts or something like that. So it, it, it's, it's got a transformer down. So I don't. I don't do too much high voltage relay stuff. I usually use the smart Alexa plugs for that. And I have those everywhere. I have smart Alexa plugs throughout my house. I have smart Alexa light switches throughout my house, but you can turn on or off almost everything in my house using your voice because of that. Mm. Um, and the, the worst one was our fireplace because you only turn the fireplace on or off in the winter. Like, you know, so it was lost every summer, a hundred percent of the time. Boom. We had a really nice like uh, fireplace, and it's uh, it's like I don't know, 36 inches wide, and and so the brand that makes it was all proprietary, and so when you lose the remote, it's like $400. This wasn't like a $10 remote. Sucked, suck, 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 suck. So now that's 100% Alexa powered, um, and that's that to me. And from a home gadget perspective, I love that. You, I also know that you guys did grills a little while back. So oh yeah, I just tossed out my grill. Yeah, thing. yeah. You built I your own, right? Well, during the, the pandemic, <clears throat> and uh, and so you know, here are my computer typey hands, and I'm welding too. So I, you know, I, I did my best out there. Um, I tried to make my own grill box. Here's my piece of advice to to guys out there that when gals that want to learn how to weld. Learn how to weld first, then make a grill box like two years later. Um, so I had to throw that away. <laughs> and I bought a Napoleon grill. What's that, sir? It was just practice. You were practicing. It, it, uh, yeah, it was. I thought it was going to work. It didn't work. It didn't. It, I, I made it. I made a bar though. I made. I did weld a bar for myself. So I have a, a outdoor bar. Um, but the grill, I ended up getting a Napoleon grill, and then I I wired. Uh, I ran my own gas pipe. Gas pipe is another thing. Holy smokes. Um, for, for anybody that's DIYer out there, you can hire a plumber. It's probably okay to do that. Um, I ran two inch gas pipe the whole way. I'm five foot six. I weigh 150. 
And so I had it's to use heavy a stuff. 46 yeah. inch wrench in order to twist that because it's the tapered thread. Um, that, that project, I ran seven and a half, eight feet of two inch pipe, I, you know, four or five elbow turns and stuff like that. Two and a half months. Because <laughs> every time I found a leak, I had to redo the whole thing. Yeah. And each yeah. joint was like a two and a half hour project. Yeah. So um, that would be my one like anti DIY thing. I tend to just be hire a plumber. Do, Is that what you're saying? Do everything hire. yourself, yeah. learn, grow. Do not do two inch gas pipe. That's not worth it. Yeah. Yeah, but it's super satisfying when you do get it right and you realize oh. you spent two months doing it and then you're like, oh, there is this nobody that has been over to my house since then that has not seen my two inch <laughs> gas pipe run. Zero. I'm not, and I'm not even joking. It's, no, right it's on. in the cabinets. Right I open yeah. the cabinets up and I walk them through every freaking elbow joint in that yep. gas pipe yep. and I tell them about it. Yeah. This weekend I spent, I spent this whole weekend getting this elbow, right? <laughs> oh dude, no threading, no cutting, joke. threading. Uh, Jim Shoemaker in the chat asked a great question. Do you have an integrated IOT or a, sorry, do you have a segregated IOT Wi-Fi network? So I do. do you, you separate your IOT devices and the rest of your network and how do you do that? We do. Um, we, we do piggyback as well. So we, we can go either route. So for our, we have a closed network that we use. <clears throat> um, we did find that a lot of our customers like to piggyback as well. Um, but when we piggyback the cameras, uh, <laughs> thanks Tim. Um, when you piggyback for the cameras, the cameras do not connect directly to the internet. And that's a really important thing because that's how you end up getting the, um, the security compromises where they're going directly out to the cloud. They're using some, you know, Chinese public internet that's totally hackable, um, web service, which by the way, I, I want to say around 55% of cameras you buy on Amazon run all of your video through public Chinese um, web services, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe you're okay with that. I'm not. Um, so, uh, so none of our cameras connect directly to the web, period, full stop, zero. Not our PoE, not our Wi-Fi cameras. They are all firewalled by our hub and our hub manages all that communication our hub has every single zero day attack um, patch, same day. It's a it's a full Linux stack and it's managed for security. Um, I'm a little bit of a security geek in that sense. So that you know, from from a DIY standpoint, can I get into that hub and do anything, or do you guys pretty much lock that down from an administrative standpoint? We do. We lock it all down. Yeah, I, you yeah. know, I would love to say like you can get in there and get some stuff done. We will probably launch an if this then that um, channel at some point, so you can kind of integrate through that. But the likelihood that we allow you to to log directly and just because it is, it's not like a, a cloud API where maybe somebody gets access to your name and your address and your social security number. Like it's your house. And yeah, I know most cloud camera companies don't take security that seriously, but I do. And so I'm just not going to, I'm just not going to be that guy. Like I just refuse to be that guy. That's just a lame thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, it's good. We, we have this conversation a lot about the segregation of networks and getting, you know, a lot of the folks that listen to this show spend a lot of time making sure they have a completely separate network for their IOT devices that they do. That's getting harder to do, by the way. I mean, it's not, it used to be really easy because that IOT stuff was so different. You could get it off. And now some of it doesn't work well if you do that. And right. It's looking for certain things and it 
wants to phone home for yeah. some of its own things, right? For yeah, some so of its we, own we don't allow any ET home phone. ET ET's out in space <laughs> all by himself. So uh, yeah. the the yeah. hub is the only device that connects the internet. We use a secure uh, message bus for that, and there's no you know no broadcast you know BS going on from that. Is the hub Ethernet only, or can you Wi-Fi attach the hub? Hub is Ethernet to... only. Okay. Yeah, we good. may offer a yeah. Wi-Fi option at some point, but again, just like. I don't want to start out with a ton of security yeah, <laughs> issues. Right. Yeah, I want no, to start out really robust. And if we need to expand yeah. and add some things, we can. But no, I mean, it's it's Ethernet only and it's fully secure. Dave, I've enjoyed spending time with you tonight. Thanks for taking the time. Thanks for taking an hour and some change, an hour and a half to be even a little more than that, to be a part of this. I know you do a lot of this and you it, it can be tiring. But thanks for bringing some energy and having a good time, and and most of all having a good drink available. Cheers, yeah. <laughs> well, we well, does anything that I missed that that uh, that I should have asked you, or anything here at the final in the final moments before I let you go? I, I, I'll add one thing, which is I, I should have answered it in your gadget question. My favorite thing that I've done from a gadget perspective was I bought an RV, um, so I've got a fifth wheel, and the reason I like that is you get exposure to everything that's in your house in a way that's like kind of like the IoT. It's, it's, it's shielded. You have an IoT network. An RV has high voltage. An RV has low voltage. An RV has plumbing. It has uh, air conditioning and heating and refrigeration and, and natural gas or, or propane or whatever. And so my favorite path to like doing something in my house is moving into my RV for a week and doing it there first. And then doing it on my house. So like <clears throat> my first welding projects were on the RV first, and then we did it on the house. My first natural gas projects, were, which were propane, were on the RV, and then I did the house. I've redone the high voltage stuff. And now I'm, you know, like this week, I'm, re- I'm putting in a, a 240-volt transfer switch and generator access port for my house. And you just, you're able to do it in a way that's just, it's a little bit safer. It's a little bit more contained. And if you screw it up, your significant other doesn't hate you quite as much. <laughs> so that's, that's so my good. other little life hack that I've done. And yeah. I've really enjoyed that one. That's a good, that's a, we call that the wife acceptance factor. That's, that's the, right. that's, that's exactly. the, like, is it going to pass muster? Or are you going to, you going to do it that she way? I, I, everything I build, everything. <laughs> no, I know. I bring these crazy solutions in and it's like, well, you got to dance. I mean, we've been doing this stuff for a long time. You got to dance up and down on your left foot while you're tapping your head to get this to work. And she's like, seriously, like I used to just be able to push two buttons and it worked. And you're like, I know, but this is cooler. Uh, she just shakes her head and she's put up. Yeah, I, I, I'm at the point where she's, she's generally okay. Cause I did the fireplace <laughs> thing. So she can now wake up Alexa, turn on the fireplace, Alexa, turn yes. on the TV, Alexa, turn on my yeah. music. Yeah. Alexa, turn off the lights outside. And Alexa turned on the heaters on the patio. And so now that she's got that kind of going on, she's she's a way more on my team, but she still hates things that I build. If I if I yeah. build it, <laughs> if I weld it, if I assemble it, if you know, it, it, it's still not it couldn't we have a professional come and do that? Don't you yeah. think somebody else would be better at that? A little a little bit of mistrust in there. Yeah. Or like I redid a redid a bathroom and it probably took me three or four times longer than it should have. 
Yeah. And, you know, it's like, can we just pay somebody to do it next time? <laughs> you know, yeah. Like, so well. I mentioned that transfer switch. When I say I'm going to do that next week, what I mean is I'm going to do that in the next couple of weeks and I've been doing it for six months. Right. So we still have a wall open uh, uh, that's been open for six months downstairs. Yes. And, yes. you know, it's got painter's tape around it so that, mm. so that the wind can't blow through it. It's kind of fashionable. I'm a little annoyed. <laughs> listen i took four years to rebuild our deck we had a we had a pool we had an above ground pool and a deck around it and i took the deck down and we gave the pool away and then i was gonna rebuild the deck and that and listen i built it this time of the year you know like eight years ago now eight nine years ago now but facebook reminds me every fourth of july hey remember when it took you four years to rebuild the deck <laughs> Oh, I hate yes, you. I, I hate I'm, you I'm right Facebook. there with you. I hate you at Facebook. Well, Dave, thanks for thanks for taking the time tonight. I, I appreciate it. If you listen, if you ever have anything that you want to talk about from a new offering standpoint, I mean, I think you fit our audience pretty well, and I hope you enjoyed yourself on this. If you want to jump back in here and announce anything or do any talk, talk more gadgets, just just ping me. I'd love to love to have you back on. And, and love it. Uh, Sounds great, man. Even we appreciate it. I got some stuff to close up, but I'll let you go so you can get back to your life. Thanks for jumping in here, and we'll we'll produce this over the weekend. I'll send you an email. Thanks for jumping in. Sounds wonderful. Thank you so All right, much, Dave. You bet. Thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Take care. Be safe. Thank you. You bet. All right. A couple reminders on the way out. One, Dave. Thanks for if you, you probably won't listen this far because you already were here, but thanks for coming on. I, I appreciate it. A um, couple reminders on the way out. One, the average guy.tv is powered by Maple Grove Partners. Get secure, reliable, high speed hosting from people that you know and you trust. And of course, you know that's Christian. And if you need a site as little as $10 a month, and we talk about security all the time. I mean, we just spent the whole show talking about security. And um, uh, Christian is the epitome of security. So if you, if you want to get a site that's as secure as Deep Sentinel. Uh, head over to maplegrovepartners.com and get that done. You can join us in the Discord group, the averageguy.tv slash Discord. That's an area where we've kind of moved away from the Facebook group, and Discord is the place to go if you want to have a conversation. So a lot of stuff going on around there. If you got questions or comments or contributions or whatever, you can still leave me a voicemail, homegadgetgeeks.com. There's a little voicemail button over on the right-hand side of the site. You want to send me an email, Jim at the average guy, uh, TV and a big thanks to our Patreon subscribers. For those of you who are doing that big, thank you to, to, to you and what you do that always helps. That helps us with some, you know, some upgrades and kind of keeping things going keeping me motivated. Uh, you know, so appreciate you guys doing that. If you're a Patreon subscriber, thanks for jumping in and get that done, getting that done and, and helping out. If you're not head out to the average guy.tv slash Patreon. We have plans. It's a $5 a month kind of thing. And I always appreciate everything that you guys do uh, to help do what I do. I, I don't need it, but some people want to give it. So if you want to do that and you're, and you're willing to do that, appreciate you doing that. Well, it's fun tonight. And, uh, and uh, we've got some more of these coming up. I've been with Mike taking an extended break. I think we'll have him back in September um, for a show. Uh, I've needed to reach out to some folks and we took a chance, uh, on Dave and man, that was super good. So, uh, excited. We got a few more of these coming up. You're going to want to make sure you join us live on Thursday nights, 8 PM central, nine Eastern out here at the average guy.tv slash live. Big thanks to all of you in the chat room, Andrew and, uh, beauty bubbles out there. Good to see you, Jim Shoemaker, uh, Tim, Tim W 
And I saw Ken a little bit earlier. And to all of you, I think I saw Joe as well. Thanks for coming out and being a part of what we do. We'll see you back here next week. I'm trying to think. Let me, if I can tell you. Oh, we got some cool fitness tech in response to John Biggs's fitness. Um, you know, we did one all around kind of medical tech and fitness and some of those kinds of things. Ed Sullivan is coming on and I didn't realize he's quite the, we know Ed cause he's a cigar guy, but he's also quite the biker and uh, he's got some gadgets that he's going to bring on around the Peloton and his biking and Garmin and whole bunch of those kinds of things. And he has probably more material than we'll cover in a week. So Ed is back next week. Special guest coming up on the 21st as well. Some fun topics. So make sure you come out Thursday nights, 8 p.m. Central, 9 Eastern out here at theaverseguy.tv live. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for coming out tonight. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being a part of the program. And uh, love to hear from you. If I haven't heard from you in a while, drop me a note. We'll see you next week. With that, we'll say goodbye.